Part three, chapter ten of A Key to Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter ten, part one of two. Poor White Trash when the public sentiment of europe speaks in tones of indignation of the system of american slavery the common reply has been look at your own lower classes the apologists of slavery have pointed england to her own poor they have spoken of the heathenish ignorance the vice the darkness of her crowded cities nay even of her agricultural districts now in the first place a country where the population is not crowded where the resources of the soil are more than sufficient for the inhabitants a country of recent origin not burdened with the worn-out institutions and clumsy lumber of past ages ought not to be satisfied to do only as well as countries which have to struggle against all these evils it is a poor defence for america to say to older countries we are no worse than you are she ought to be infinitely better but it will appear that the institution of slavery has produced not only heathenish degraded miserable slaves but it produces a class of white people who are by universal admission more heathenish degraded and miserable the institution of slavery has accomplished the double feat in america not only of degrading and brutalizing her black working classes but of producing notwithstanding a fertile soil and abundant room a poor white population as degraded and brutal as ever existed in any of the most crowded districts of europe the way that it is done can be made apparent in a few words one the distribution of the land into large plantations and the consequent sparseness of settlement make any system of common school education impracticable two the same cause operates with regard to preaching of the gospel three the degradation of the idea of labor which results inevitably from enslaving the working class operates to a great extent in preventing respectable working men of the middling classes from settling or remaining in slave states where carpenters blacksmiths and masons are advertised every week with their own tools or in company with horses hogs and other cattle there is necessarily such an estimate of the laboring class that intelligent self-respecting mechanics such as abound in the free states must find much that is annoying and disagreeable they may endure it for a time but with much uneasiness and they are glad of the first opportunity of immigration then again the filling up of all branches of mechanics and agriculture with slave labor necessarily depresses free labor suppose now a family of poor whites in carolina or virginia and the same family in vermont or maine how different the influences that come over them in vermont or maine the children have the means of education at hand in public schools and they have all around them in society avenues of success that require only industry to make them available the boys have their choice among all the different trades for which the organization of free society makes a steady demand the girls animated by the spirit of the land in which they are born think useful labor no disgrace and find with true female ingenuity a hundred ways of adding to the family stock 
if there be one member of a family in whom diviner gifts and higher longings seem a call for a more finished course of education then cheerfully the whole family unites its productive industry to give that one the wider education which his wider genius demands and thus have been given to the world such men as roger sherman and daniel webster but take the same family and plant them in south carolina or virginia how different the result no common school opens its doors to their children the only church perhaps is fifteen miles off over a bad road the whole atmosphere of the country in which they are born associates degradation and slavery with useful labor and the only standard of gentility is ability to live without work what branch of useful labor opens a way to its sons would he be a blacksmith the planters around him preferred to buy their blacksmiths in virginia would he be a carpenter each planter in his neighborhood owns one or two now and so coopers and masons who would be a shoemaker the plantation shoes are made in lynn and natick towns of new england in fact between the free labor of the north and the slave labor of the south there is nothing for a poor white to do without schools or churches these miserable families grow up heathen on a christian soil in idleness vice dirt and discomfort of all sorts they are the pest of the neighborhood the scoff and contempt or pity even of the slaves the expressive phrase so common in the mouths of the negroes of poe white trash says all for this luckless race of beings that can be said from this class spring a tribe of keepers of small groggeries and dealers by a kind of contraband trade with the negroes in the stolen produce of plantations thriving and promising sons may perhaps hope to grow up into negro traders and thence be exalted into overseers of plantations the utmost stretch of ambition is to compass money enough by any of a variety of nondescript measures to buy a nigger or two and begin to appear like other folks woe betide the unfortunate negro man or woman carefully raised in some good religious family when an execution or the death of their proprietors throws them into the market and they are bought by a master and mistress of this class oftentimes the slave is infinitely the superior in every respect in person manners education and morals but for all that the law guards the despotic authority of the owner quite as jealously from all that would appear in the case of souther which we have recorded he must have been one of this class we have certain indications in the evidence that the two white witnesses who spent the whole day in gaping unresisting survey of his diabolical proceedings were men of this order it appears that the crime alleged against the poor victim was that of getting drunk and trading with these two very men and that they were sent for probably by way of showing them what a nigger would get by trading with them this circumstance at once marks them out as belonging to that band of half-contraband traders who spring up among the mean whites and occasion owners of slaves so much inconvenience by dealing with their hands can any words so forcibly show what sort of white men these are as the idea of their standing in stupid brutal curiosity a whole day as witnesses in such a hellish scene conceive the misery of the slave who falls into the hands of such masters a clergyman now dead 
communicated to this writer the following anecdote in travelling in one of the southern states he put up for the night in a miserable log shanty kept by a man of this class all was dirt discomfort and utter barbarism the man his wife and their stock of wild neglected children drank whiskey loafed and predominated over the miserable man and woman who did all the work and bore all the caprices of the whole establishment he the gentleman was not long in discovering that these slaves were in person language and in every respect superior to their owners and all that he could get of comfort in the miserable abode was owing to their ministrations before he went away they contrived to have a private interview and begged him to buy them they told him that they had been decently brought up in a respectable and refined family and that their bondage was therefore the more inexpressibly galling the poor creatures had waited on him with most assiduous care tending his horse brushing his boots and anticipating all his wants in the hope of inducing him to buy them the clergyman said that he never so wished for money as when he saw the dejected visages with which they listened to his assurances that he was too poor to comply with their desires this miserable class of whites form in all the southern states a material for the most horrible and ferocious of mobs utterly ignorant and inconceivably brutal they are like some blind savage monster which when aroused tramples heedlessly over everything in its way singular as it may appear though slavery is the cause of the misery and degradation of this class yet they are the most vehement and ferocious advocates of slavery the reason is this they feel the scorn of the upper classes and their only means of consolation is in having a class below them whom they may scorn in turn to set the negro at liberty would deprive them of this last comfort and accordingly no class of men advocate slavery with such frantic and unreasoning violence or hate abolitionists with such demonic hatred let the reader conceive of a mob of men as brutal and callous as the two white witnesses of the souther tragedy led on by men like souther himself and he will have some idea of the materials which occur in the worst kind of southern mobs the leaders of the community those men who play on other men with as little care for them as a harper plays on a harp keep this blind furious monster of the mob very much as an overseer keeps plantation dogs as creatures to be set on to any man or thing whom he may choose to have put down these leading men have used the cry of abolitionism over the mob much as a huntsman uses the set on to his dogs whenever they have a purpose to carry a man to put down they have only to raise this cry and the monster is wide awake ready to spring wherever they shall send him does a minister raise his voice in favor of the slave immediately with a whoop and a hurrah some editor starts the mob on him as an abolitionist is there a man teaching his negroes to read the mob is started upon him he must promise to give it up or leave the state does a man at a public hotel table express his approbation of some anti-slavery work up come the police and arrest him for seditious language footnote the writer is describing here a scene of recent occurrence in a slave state of whose particulars she has the best means of knowledge the work in question was uncle tom's cabin End of footnote. 
and on the heels of the police thronging round the justice offices come the ever-ready mob men with clubs and bowie knives swearing that they will have his heart's blood the more respectable citizens in vain try to compose them it is quite as hopeful to reason with a pack of hounds and the only way is to smuggle the suspected person out of the state as quickly as possible all these are scenes of common occurrence at the south every southern man knows them to be so and they know too the reason why they are so but so much do they fear the monster that they dare not say what they know this brute monster sometimes gets beyond the power of his masters and then results in sue most mortifying to the patriotism of honorable southern men but which they are powerless to prevent such was the case when the honorable senator hoare of massachusetts with his daughter visited the city of charleston the senator was appointed by the sovereign state of massachusetts to inquire into the condition of her free colored citizens detained in south carolina prisons we cannot suppose that men of honor and education in south carolina can contemplate without chagrin the fact that this honorable gentleman the representative of a sister state and accompanied by his daughter was obliged to flee from south carolina because they were told that the constituted authorities would not be powerful enough to protect them from the ferocities of a mob this is not the only case in which this mob power has escaped from the hands of its guiders and produced mortifying results the scenes of vicksburg and the succession of popular whirlwinds which at that time flew over the southwestern states have been forcibly painted by the author of the white slave they who find these popular outbreaks useful when they serve their own turns are sometimes forcibly reminded of the consequences as in this quotation from samuel butler's hudibras of letting rapine loose and murder to go just so far and no further and setting all the land on fire to burn just so high and no higher the statements made above can be substantiated by various documents mostly by the testimony of residents in slave states and by extracts from their newspapers concerning the class of poor whites mr william gregg of charleston south carolina in a pamphlet called essays on domestic industry or an inquiry into the expediency of establishing cotton manufactories in south carolina eighteen forty five says on page twenty two quote, shall we pass unnoticed the thousands of poor ignorant degraded white people among us who in this land of plenty live in comparative nakedness and starvation many a one is reared in proud south carolina from birth to manhood who has never passed a month in which he has not some part of the time been stinted for meat many a mother is there who will tell you that her children are but scantily provided with bread and much more scantily with meat and if they be clad with comfortable raiment it is at the expense of these scanty allowances of food these may be startling statements but they are nevertheless true and if not believed in charleston the members of our legislature who have traversed the state in electioneering campaigns can attest their truth end quote 
the rev henry duffner d d president of lexington college virginia himself a slaveholder published in eighteen forty seven an address to the people of virginia showing that slavery is injurious to public welfare in which he shows the influence of slavery in producing a decrease of the white population he says quote, it appears that in the ten years from eighteen thirty to eighteen forty virginia lost by immigration no fewer than three hundred and seventy five thousand of her people of whom east virginia lost three hundred and four thousand and west virginia seventy one thousand at this rate virginia supplies the west every ten years with a population equal in number to the population of the state of mississippi in eighteen forty she has sent or we should rather say she has driven from her soil at least one-third of all the immigrants who have gone from the old states to the new more than another third have gone from the other old slave states many of these multitudes who have left the slave states have shunned the regions of slavery and settled in the free countries of the west these were generally industrious and enterprising white men who found by sad experience that a country of slaves was not the country for them it is a truth a certain truth that slavery drives free laborers farmers mechanics and all and some of the best of them too out of the country and fills their places with negroes even the common mechanical trades do not flourish in a slave state some mechanical operations must indeed be performed in every civilized country but the general rule in the south is to import from abroad every fabricated thing that can be carried in ships such as household furniture boats boards lathes carts ploughs axes and axe-helves besides innumerable other things which free communities are accustomed to make for themselves what is most wonderful is that the forests and iron mines of the south supply in great part the materials out of which these things are made the northern freemen come with their ships carry home the timber and pig iron work them up supply their own wants with a part and then sell the rest at a good profit in the southern markets now although mechanics by setting up their shops in the south could save all these freights and profits yet so it is that northern mechanics will not settle in the south and the southern mechanics are undersold by their northern competitors End quote. in regard to education rev theodore parker gives the following statistics in his letters on slavery page sixty five quote, in 1671 sir william berkeley governor of virginia said i thank god that there are no free schools nor printing presses in virginia and i hope we shall not have them these hundred years in 1840 in the fifteen slave states and territories there were at the various primary schools two hundred and one thousand eighty five scholars at the various primary schools of the free states one million six hundred twenty six thousand and twenty eight scholars the state of ohio alone had at her primary schools seventeen thousand five hundred and twenty four more scholars than all the fifteen slave states new york alone had three hundred and one thousand two hundred and eighty two more in the slave states there are one million three hundred and sixty eight thousand three hundred and twenty five free white children between the ages of five and twenty in the free states three million five hundred and thirty six thousand six hundred and eighty nine such children 
in the slave states at schools and colleges there are three hundred and one thousand one hundred and seventy two pupils in the free states two million two hundred and twelve thousand four hundred and forty four pupils at schools or colleges thus in the slave states out of twenty-five free white children between five and twenty there are not quite five at any school or college while out of twenty-five such children in the free states there are more than fifteen at school or college in the slave states of the free white population that is over twenty years of age there is almost one-tenth part that are unable to read and write while in the free states there is not quite one in one hundred and fifty-six who is deficient to that degree in new england there are but few born therein and more than twenty years of age who are unable to read and write but many foreigners arrive there with no education and thus swell the number of the illiterate and diminish the apparent effect of her free institutions the south has few such immigrants the ignorance of the southern states therefore is to be ascribed to other causes the northern men who settle in the slaveholding states have perhaps about the average culture of the north and more than that of the south the south therefore gains educationally from immigration as the north loses among the northern states connecticut among the southern states south carolina are to a great degree free from disturbing influences of this character a comparison between the two will show the relative effects of the respective institutions of the north and south in connecticut there are one hundred and sixty three thousand eight hundred and forty three free persons over twenty years of age in south carolina but one hundred and eleven thousand six hundred and sixty three in connecticut there are but five hundred and twenty six persons over twenty who are unable to read and write while in south carolina there are twenty thousand six hundred and fifteen free white persons over twenty years of age unable to read and write in south carolina out of each six hundred and twenty six free whites more than twenty years of age there are more than fifty-eight wholly unable to read or write out of that number of such persons in connecticut not quite two more than the sixth part of the adult freemen of south carolina are unable to read the vote which will be deposited at the next election it is but fair to infer that at least one-third of the adults of south carolina if not of much of the south are unable to read and understand even a newspaper indeed in one of the slave states that is not a matter of mere inference for in eighteen thirty seven governor clark of kentucky declared in his message to the legislature that one-third of the adult population were unable to write their names yet kentucky has a school fund valued at one million two hundred twenty one thousand eight hundred nineteen dollars while south carolina has none one sign of this want of ability even to read in the slave states is too striking to be passed on the staple reading of the least cultivated americans is the newspapers one of the lowest forms of literature though one of the most powerful read even by men who read nothing else in the slave states there are published but three hundred and seventy seven newspapers and in the free states one thousand one hundred thirty five these numbers do not express the entire difference in the case for as a general rule the circulation of the southern newspapers is fifty to seventy five per cent less than that of the north 
suppose however that each southern newspaper has two-thirds the circulation of a northern journal we have then but two hundred and twenty-five newspapers for the slave states the more valuable journals the monthlies and quarterlies are published almost entirely in the free states the number of churches the number and character of the clergy who labor for these churches are other measures of the intellectual and moral condition of the people the scientific character of the southern clergy has been already touched on let us compare the more external facts in eighteen thirty south carolina had a population of five hundred and eighty one thousand one hundred eighty five souls connecticut two hundred and ninety seven thousand six hundred and seventy five souls in eighteen thirty six south carolina had three hundred and sixty four ministers connecticut four hundred and ninety eight in eighteen thirty four there were in the slave states but eighty two thousand five hundred and thirty two scholars in the sunday schools in the free states five hundred and four thousand eight hundred and thirty five in the single state of new york one hundred and sixty one thousand seven hundred and sixty eight end of theodore parker's citation the fact of constant immigration from slave states is also shown by such extracts from papers as the following from the raleigh north carolina register quoted in the columns of the national era they will leave north carolina our attention was arrested on saturday last by quite a long train of wagons winding through our streets which upon inquiry we found to belong to a party emigrating from wayne county in this state to the far west this is but a repetition of similar scenes that we and others have witnessed during the past few years and such spectacles will be still more frequently witnessed unless something is done to retrieve our fallen fortunes at home if there be any one consummation devoutly to be wished in our policy it is that our young men should remain at home and not abandon their native state from the early settlement of north carolina the great drain upon her prosperity has been the spirit of immigration which has so prejudicially affected all the states of the south her sons hitherto neglected if we must say it by an unparental government have wended their way by hundreds upon hundreds from the land of their fathers that land too to make it a paradise wanting nothing but a market to bury their bones in the land of strangers we firmly believe that this immigration is caused by the laggard policy of our people on the subject of internal improvement for man is not prone by nature to desert the home of his affections End quote the editor of the era also quotes the following from the greensboro alabama beacon an unusually large number of movers have passed through this village within the past two or three weeks on one day of last week upwards of thirty wagons and other vehicles belonging to immigrants mostly from georgia and south carolina passed through on their way most of them bound to texas and arkansas End quote this tide of immigration does not emanate from an overflowing population very far from it rather it marks an abandonment of the soil which exhausted by injudicious culture will no longer repay the labor of tillage the immigrant turning his back upon the homes of his childhood leaves a desolate region it may be and finds that he can indulge in his feelings of local attachment only at the risk of starvation 
how are the older states of the south to keep their population we say nothing of an increase but how are they to hold their own it is useless to talk about strict construction states rights or wilmot provisos of what avail can such things be in a sterile desert upon which people cannot subsist this ends chapter ten part one of two poor white trash <laughs>